This episode is brought to you by Quests for Authenticity, a confidence coaching program that uses D&D to help you become just as confident in real life as your characters are at the game table. Visit www.questsforauthenticity.com to learn how the program helps people stop being an NPC in somebody else's story and become the hero of their own, or to take a free quiz that will stat you as a level one character in real life. Welcome to the Compendium, a resource designed to help you spend less time learning D&D and more time actually playing. So let's, uh, now that we've kind of talked a little bit about druids and and kind of some reflection of what you can pull from for inspiration for druid and understanding just the concept of that class, let's start looking at building your base level one druid to get an overview of, like you said, their wisdom-based casters. Let's kind of dive into some of the base level mechanics of every druid so that we can start to unfold that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, druids are pretty middle of the road uh, classes when it comes to what they can and can't do. So they have a D8 for their hit points, which is pretty good. Um, uh, a lot of uh, middle tier, you know, martial classes will have that rogue has D8 and such. Um, and uh, they're proficient in light armor, medium armor and shields but then there's a great parenthesis here that says druids will not wear armor or use shields made of metal which mm. leads to one of my favorite um jokes or little moments in DD. there is uh, if you go to DD beyond real quick excursus here uh and you go to, to to the sage advice uh part uh there's where they answer questions it says what happens if a druid wears metal armor the answer is the druid explodes. Next paragraph. Well, not actually. <laughs> Druids have a taboo <laughs> against wearing metal armor and wielding a metal shield. Uh, and it's been sent that way since Eldridge Wizardry in 1976, that we mentioned before, and the original player's handbook from 78. They just prefer not to use metal or worked things. So, but there's always easy ways to get around all that. Anyway, reminds me a little to- bit of the Mandalorian the show when it's like you you have to leave your helmet on you've never taken Mm -hmm. you know your helmet off and then it spoilers but in that series there's a there's a part where in order to do what he needs to do he has to remove his helmet and so it's that idea of like you've got your code and it's really important and it kind of rips you apart inside a little bit to have to deviate from it but the deviation might be to support the greater cause and yeah. so I think it's that kind of mentality where like, yes, you could wear metal armor, but it's really going to make you stressed out the entire time that it's it's going on. Yeah, exactly. And also, too, this is kind of odd because like metal is part of nature. It doesn't even say like worked metal. It just says metal. And I'm all, all right. So which could lead to hilarity if you have like a, you know a uh, underground race like dwarves uh, to see how that goes. Now, uh, for weapons, you have clubs, daggers, darts, javelins, maces, quarterstaffs, scimitars, uh, which is metal, but weapons aren't part of that thing. I don't know why. Maybe it's not <laughs> It's not close to your body or something. Uh, sickles, slings, and spears. In fact, there's a couple of really great sickles out there that they can use, and their symbol is a sickle with uh, some oak leaves around it. Um, they get an herbalism kit, uh, saving throws of intelligence and wisdom, uh, unsurprisingly, and they can choose two skills from Arcana, animal handling, insight, medicine, nature, perception, religion, and survival. 
uh, they get uh, starting equipment. They can either get a wooden shield and any simple weapon, which is most of what you have up there, um, or a scimitar and another simple weapon. So you can do a wield or leather armor and explorer's pack, uh, and also a leather armor and explorer's pack and a druidic focus, which is usually like sprigs of holly and and uh, a staff made of ash or something like that. But uh, yeah, um, they also have this kind of cool thing that I don't see get used very often, but they know an extra secret language called Druidic. Uh, and you can speak it and use it to leave hidden messages. So like, you know, leaving like little tracks in the woods or writing something on a sign that almost no one else is going to know. Uh, you who and others who know this language automatically spot it because it's so weird. Um, others spot the message uh, with a, a DC 15 wisdom perception check, but can't decipher it without magic. So it really is a uh, insular um, language that is, they don't teach to outsiders. So yeah, it's um, almost like thieves can't for rogues, right? Exactly. It's, that, it's like if you're a druid, you're going to know this, but if you're not, you're going to have a really hard time finding someone that's willing to teach you because it's almost like sacred to that group. Right. And But unlike thieves can't, thieves can't is not a full language and takes like three times as long to communicate an idea because you're having to code it here. It's just a sacred secret language. Like it's a full on that you can speak and write, which is kind of crazy. And I like that very much. Um, then they get spell casting level one, obviously uh, they get two cantrips at first level from the Druid spell list. Um, and then uh, they uh, get some more spells uh right off the bat um they have two first level spell slots two known cantrips and um with them it's very much like the cleric uh you know how many spell slots you have um but you prepare your druid spells from all of this druid spell list as long as you have a slot available to cast it um and you can choose a number equal to your wisdom modifier plus your druid level uh, minimum one spell um, and, uh, th that goes up as you go. So, um, yeah, so you can kit out different spell complements. All of the Druid spells are known to you. Uh, you just have to choose typically at first level four or so, uh, that you have to, uh, choose from to cast your two spells. So very much like clerics in that way, which is nice because it gives you a lot of versatility. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, spell casting ability, wisdom, like we said, the attack modifiers and spell DCs are the same as always. Um, they're a ritual caster, which doesn't get used a whole lot, uh, in my experience, but basically if they, there's a spell that has a ritual tag, you can cast it, um, using extra time and not the spell slot and, uh, they get a spell casting focus and that's it for the first level. So, uh, not much different than, you know, a first level wizard or first level cleric, other than the clerics get their divine domain at first level. Right. And because they are a full caster. They um, are a full caster. Unlike some of the other ones we talked about that are either like half casters or a little bit weird. This is a very, in that regard, a very traditional full caster class where you're, they're actually a little bit better than typical full casters, you know, maybe like a wizard because of their hit die and some other things. They are a tiny yeah. bit more buffed. They can wear some armor, but otherwise they're, you know, they're going to be a little squishy until they level up just a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. And one of the most, like the two most common, uh, I, I feel like, uh, cantrips for uh, druids is going to be shillelagh. 
which I have no confidence I'm pronouncing correctly. Um, but uh, it basically lets you turn a, a wooden uh, weapon, like a staff or a club, into a better version of that. Um, and so even at first level, uh, it's going to do a D8 of damage, no matter what it did before. Um, and it lets you attack with your spellcasting ability modifier as opposed to strength or dexterity if it was somehow using um, the versatile um, uh, thing. So yeah, so you're right. They are a bit better uh, out the gate than some of the more magic only full casters that we've seen. Uh, I, I would say probably pretty on par with the cleric, um, but yeah. I actually kind of like this too, because if you think about um, just um, like lore wise, if you're really, if you're, if the goal of the druid of the class is to, in essence, commune with nature in a lot of ways, you can't just, it's not like a fighter where you can go take a couple fighting lessons and now you're good handling yes. a sword, right? That connection takes time. And so it almost makes a lot of sense that some of their more iconic features don't come until a little bit later because you haven't really formed that connection with nature until you have spent time with it and going alongside of it. And so it, it supports that side of the character like class a lot too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's, yeah, really on, on par for a lot of the uh, full casters uh, in 5e for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's first level. Thanks for equipping the compendium. We hope you enjoyed listening in to the conversation this week. If you haven't done so already, it would help us out if you take a minute to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a good review. We hope to see you back in a few days for the next episode, where we'll be continuing our discussion delving further into the world of D&D.